Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Coach the Coach Radio. Brought to you by the Business Radio X Ambassador Program. The no-cost business development strategy for coaches who want to spend more time serving local business clients and less time selling them. Go to brxambassador.com to learn more. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Coach the Coach Radio, and this is going to be a good one. Today we have with us Alicia Reese with the Reese Group. Welcome. Hi, Lee. Well, uh, before we get too far into things, tell us a little bit about the Reese Group. How are you serving folks? Yeah, absolutely. So the Reese Group is a coaching and consulting firm um, that I've run as, as the owner and lead coach and consultant. We service Fortune 500 companies globally in the areas of career management and leadership development with an emphasis in emotional intelligence. So what's your backstory? Have you always been a coach? I have not. However, the journey that I took professionally and even educationally led me to this point. So I started my career over 25 years ago working at the intersection of people and business. And what that translates to is various HR leadership roles that I had for several different Fortune 500 companies. But most notably, I spent over a decade working at Cisco in various capacities from being an HR business partner leader, supporting engineers globally, to working in mergers and acquisitions. And then about 12 years ago, While I was sitting in the engineering organization as an HR business partner leader at Cisco, I noticed that I wasn't fully energized by the work. Like on paper, everything looked perfect. Like I had a really nice, flexible work environment. I was delivering results. I was even growing. But again, I just felt deep inside like something was missing for me. And so I did a lot of introspective work. And what I deduced was that I wanted to give back through the power of coaching. I had touched coaching throughout my career, but I wasn't fully entrenched in doing the work on a day-to-day basis. So once I had that clarity, I went through formal coach training and loved it, met a global tribe of people who had the same love, really wanting to see people live their best lives, be productive and happy in their careers, And I, again, I was just totally smitten um, by the work. And so after I graduated from the program, I eventually became an internal executive coach within Cisco. I transitioned from being an HR business partner and moved into the leadership development area where I was fully in the world of coaching. And I even started a part-time practice uh, where I was seeing coaches or seeing clients at various um, various stages in their careers. And then, um, as luck would have it, five years ago, I went through a transition, left Cisco, and basically flipped the switch, transitioned my part-time practice into a full-time coaching firm. And I have to be honest with you, I literally had a six-month plan. I never planned to be an entrepreneur. Like I thought I was going to eventually become a CHRO or just stay in in corporate and continue to grow my career. 
but I did take that leap and six months has turned into five years and I have a thriving coaching consulting practice. Now, are your clients those same kind of enterprise level companies? Yes, the clients are the enterprise level companies. In fact, I always talk to my clients about the power of relationships. And so the first client organization who took a chance on me was Cisco. And I still actually coach with them today. Now, are you finding that at the enterprise level that coaching is no longer kind of something for the highest levels of leadership, that it's kind of um, trickling down to uh, more of the important leaders throughout the company, not just kind of at the C-suite? Absolutely. I think traditionally what we've seen is coaching, particularly executive coaching, has been reserved for the top of the house of an organization. But as we see younger and younger generations, the millennials, Generation Z, um, Generation Y, as they come into the workforce, they are now becoming the majority of the organization. And um, even in their youth or or, um, even being young in their careers, they're taking on leadership roles. So I absolutely see uh, and have experience working with younger leaders and even individual contributors. Honestly, coaching has become an employee perk that a lot of organizations are using to help with the, the betterment of their organizations as well as to drive employee engagement. So it's no longer um, kind of like you said at this highest levels, it's part of the corporate culture that's saying, hey, we want you to be the best you you can be. And coaching is a great tool to help you achieve that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, as we're hopefully coming out of this pandemic and um, a lot of the work uh, forces now at some point fully remote to now kind of partially remote and people are kind of just trying to figure things out to the best of their ability because it is kind of chaotic right now. Uh, How do you recommend that companies kind of deal with culture when you're not kind of in the same room with folks as much as you used to be where culture can kind of permeate itself by osmosis, I guess, when we're all together, but now you're dealing with folks that are all over the planet. Yeah, absolutely. It's important that companies have some really good protocols, procedures, um, and I would just say overall really good leadership hygiene uh, to support uh, what you've just described as the hybrid workplace. The reality here is uh, the pandemic created a huge experiment in folks working from home or even working partially in the office. a lot of companies, particularly high tech, like I come from the Cisco world, we had been working from home for probably about 12 to 15 years prior to the pandemic. So for some companies, um, this isn't new, but for those companies where this is a a new situation, they really need to support their clients or their, their employees in having really strong practices in place employee practices uh, that will help to build the connect connection. So for instance, looking at how you run meetings, making sure if there is a hybrid type of workplace uh, where you have some folks in the office and some, some folks who are actually uh, via Zoom or another video enabled platform, ensuring that you, you actually plan those meetings um, 
that where there is a level of um, where there's there's a level of um, common ground, if you will, meaning you're not scheduling the meetings too late, you're not scheduling the meetings too early because you're going to have multiple time zones actually participating in the meetings. I think also looking at leadership, as I mentioned, in terms of really understanding um, how leaders are showing up or how they're treating employees fairly. Gone are the days where you can actually drop by you know, a person's desk and, and cultivate relationships in that way. So ensuring that leaders are taking the time to meet with their employees on a day-to-day basis and checking in with them. I think also it's important that tools, technology tools are embedded as a part of the cultural fabric, looking at that hybrid workplace. So thinking about web-based tools uh, such as Zoom and and WebEx, also looking at uh, tools that have instant messenger, right? So you can instantly connect with someone as well. And then I also think it's important that companies look at their policies um, and procedures in terms of how they get work done, how they support each other, their business code of conduct in terms of how they um, are engaging in various practices of the organization. Now, do you have any advice for the folks that, you know, like you said, a lot of the, especially technology firms have embraced remote and they have employees all over the planet. And that's not kind of a new thing. The pandemic didn't change much from that standpoint. But for the folks that are kind of uh, dealt with this for the first time and then really have a desire to go back in office at some point and have, like you said, created or decided on some hybrid model of this, how do you advise them when it comes to just kind of the inherent bias of um, proximity? So if a bunch of people are coming to the office and then how do you kind of make sure the culture um, includes the folks that decide not to come into the office and and kind of protect them and help them get promoted and to prevent some of this just proximity bias of, oh, I'm hanging out with this person there's an opportunity. I'm going to think of the person that I'm going to, like you said, bump into or looks over my shoulder or hangs out with me or goes to lunch with me. Yeah, I absolutely believe that uh, proximity bias is, is a real challenge that has to be proactively tackled. And a part of that is really ensuring that uh, managers have some good practices in place um, and even some leadership tenets in terms of how they engage. So again, ensuring that there is fair treatment across the board, let's just take a team for example. So ensuring that you are meeting with everyone on your team, those folks who are remote as well as the folks who are coming into the office. I think also ensuring that there are equal opportunities for your team um, as well. So for instance, if you are having a team meeting, allow the, so some of the remote employees to actually facilitate the meeting or provide updates on topics. There has to be a balance between the treatment of employees who are remote, as well as those employees who are coming to the office, and even how you evaluate um, employees from a performance perspective. Because I think oftentimes, Again, there is some bias that happens naturally 
when you are in close proximity, you have a stronger relationship, a stronger connection. And so for managers, for leaders, they're going to have to be more intentional about cultivating the relationships with the employees who are remote, ensuring that they have the right visibility opportunities. Again, as I mentioned, like facilitating a meeting or sharing an update, but then also ensuring that they have the same type of development opportunities and advancement opportunities, whether it's a stretch assignment or moving into a new role. But it is going to take a lot of intention, intentional practices to ensure that that type of proximity bias doesn't happen and it doesn't um, tear into the, the core, the fabric of the culture. Uh, because the reality here is, if there is unfair treatment, there will be turnover, uh, employee turnover. And as you know, uh, turnover could cost organizations billions of dollars. Now, to me, this, um, if a company is going, deciding if the hybrid is work is going to work for them or experimenting with it, this is where having somebody like you, an expert uh, that can deal with this is so important, especially even fresh eyes looking at the situation because they may not even see some of these kind of uh, potential landmines ahead of them. Um, And if you don't, like you said, orchestrate this in an elegant, fair way, it's going to be easy to kind of slip into some sort of a more toxic uh, workplace. So I I think I agree 100% that this is not something you just go, hey, now we're hybrid, and then you come in when you want, or Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Tuesday, whatever the thing is, you can't just kind of haphazardly do this. You have to really start playing out scenarios and understanding where the, the landmines are ahead of time so that when you do kind of go into a hybrid work environment that you're doing it in the, in the best way possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, um, is there... Some like when you're working with uh, a firm, how do you kind of help them become aware of, hey, you know what, you might have some danger here, or there's something here that could kind of get away from you when it comes to culture, and you could have, uh, you know, kind of a not so great work environment if you deploy that way. Like, do they have the self awareness to kind of see that ahead of time, or are you coming in to fix something that's already kind of gone off the rails a little bit? Yeah, I think in a blue sky world, it would be nice for organizations to reach out to uh, consultants and coaches such as myself to get ahead of any type of challenges that may manifest. Uh, At the same time, a lot of times organizations will reach out once something is not working. And typically when I'm brought in, I will do an assessment depending on what's happening in the organization. It could be a cultural assessment. It could be a team assessment, um, or it could even be an employee relations assessment to really understand what's happening systemically within the organization so that we can figure out the, the proper protocols, practices, and actions that need to be taken in order to move to um, a better place where, where the organization can perform and have a level of productivity so that they can reach the goals that they've set for themselves. Now, is a symptom of this dysfunction, is it that is turnover? Is that the, the kind of the flashing red light that says, hey, we better kind of rethink what we're doing? The turnover rates kind of 
bumping up a little bit or are there other symptoms that are like, hey, you might have a problem here? Like, can you catch him when it's a yellow light instead of a red light? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think certainly turnover would for sure be the red light once you start to lose people, uh, because obviously that impacts profitability. But certainly there are other signs that could lead to we may be in danger here, right? The yellow light, as you mentioned. And some of those signs could be as simple as having an employee engagement survey and, and seeing that a percentage of your employees are not engaged, or maybe um, a particular affinity group within your organization, they're not engaged. So really getting ahead of understanding what's getting in the way of, of their engagement and putting strategies in place. I think that that's certainly a piece. Also not meeting their goals. Like I recently got a reach out from a client that I'm going to be doing um, a leadership retreat and it's really around team coaching in a couple of weeks out in California. And I had to reach out because there was a lack of accountability as it relates to the team meeting their goals. And so going into the next fiscal year, this particular leader wanted to strengthen accountability, wanted to strengthen trust and wanted to strengthen the overall commitment to achieving their goals. So I definitely think there are other signs, but the reality here is to the point that you just raised, Lee, you don't want to get to the red light. <laughs> you know, maybe there's a yellow or maybe it's just about to go to yellow and then you want to bring in and have, bring a consultant in and have some interventions uh, put in place to move forward. Now you mentioned uh, the retreat, you mentioned coaching earlier. What are some other ways that you engage with your clients? What are some of the other services you provide? Yeah, absolutely. So I provide uh, assessments, uh, team assessments, as well as individual uh, leadership assessments. The assessments typically have a common thread around emotional intelligence. I have a certification in emotional intelligence, and I personally believe that at the end of the day, all roads lead to your emotional intelligence. So when you think about any problem that you're grappling with, I can tie it back to a dimension of emotional intelligence. And so everything that I do is, is in, embedded there. So I do assessments. I also do career management coaching. Uh, certainly the pandemic has raised a lot of concern and has elevated the consciousness of folks around happiness and really wanting to be in a career that is fulfilling. So uh, oftentimes you see people uh, doing this because something bad has happened. But what I've seen over the past 16 months is people have been very proactive about wanting to move into a career that is, is more fulfilling. And so I, I do a lot of that work. I enjoy that. But even in the career management coaching, there's always an element of emotional intelligence, understanding how you're showing up, being perceptive of others, in a way where you're able to make better decisions, manage relationships and stress to get to the outcomes that you want. So I, I also do that facilitation. And I also have my first book coming out. Um, I'm so excited on September the 16th. The book is called Driven to Thrive, 10 Proven Strategies to Excel, Expand and Elevate Your Career in Life. And it's really about how you manage your career from the inside out through the power of emotional intelligence. And when I think about this book, this is the book that I wish I had when I graduated from business school and entered corporate America and really just trying to find my way 
This is the book I wish I had when I was contending with imposter syndrome and didn't have the language to understand what was happening to me. This is the book I wish I had when I was going through a career hiccup. And so I share a lot of personal stories, but also stories of my clients. Of course, I've changed their names from a confidentiality perspective, but I share a lot of stories around how to, how to ensure that you are thriving in your career in life. Well, if somebody wants to learn more, have a more substantive conversation with you or somebody on the team or even pre-order the book, is there a website? Absolutely. The website is www.aliciadreese.com and that's A-L-I-C-I-A, D as in David, Reese, R-E-E-C-E.com. Uh, well, thank you so much for sharing your story today, Alicia. You're doing important work and we appreciate you. Thank you, Lee. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We will see you all next time on Coach the Coach Radio.